she's a doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Dobek, and she's a dietitian. Hey, I'm Hannah Schuyler, and together we are the, the Doctor Dietitian Collab. And Merry Christmas! Oh. We are so excited. Happy holidays. Oh. I saw the note in our thing, and it's like, Merry Christmas. Happy <laughs> holidays. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to sing. I was just sort of humming yeah, there kind of like loudly. Great, it's a great Christmas song. Though. Yes, so, yes. We are so excited to be here with you during this holiday season. Hope you are enjoying, um, hopefully getting some time off of work, maybe uh, seeing some family and friends and loved ones. But it's not going to stop us from doing another podcast. No, we don't. Can't stop, won't stop. No. No, we're coming at you. Because also during the holiday season, I mean, it really brings things to the to the forefront about, like you said, family, friends, and our own health. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, look at this picture. Don't take my picture. Here I am. I don't like what I am. This new year, I'm going to go for it. Yep. And so this week we are talking, this is part two of our four-part series all about medical weight loss. And today we are talking about the pills. Yes, about different pill medications. And just to quickly catch you back up, if you didn't miss last week, we talked about who qualifies. Again, it's based on BMI, body mass index. So if your BMI is between 27 and 29.9 and you have diabetes, sleep apnea, high blood pressure, heart disease, you qualify or if your BMI is greater than 30, you qualify based on your BMI alone. And I did not say this last time, but if you have had weight loss surgery, that means you have struggled with the chronic disease of obesity, you also will qualify for weight loss medications as a maintenance medication for the long haul, just because you've had surgery and you struggle with your um, your weight to that degree before. Oh, that's awesome. Good to know. So there you go. So we talked a little bit about the indications. Um, Last time we talked about the evaluation of um, doing a thorough history and physical. We talked a lot about the medication. So again, go to drxdietitian.com and subscribe to our episode guides. We have um, a great one on there that just shows you different conditions like depression, and we tell you which meds in those classes cause weight gain and weight loss or are weight neutral to take to your providers as well. And we're going to talk today about like, all right, get to it, girls. Tell us how exactly do we find the right medication for us? And, you know, disclaimer, we are not giving you medical advice. We're giving you some generalities. We want you to talk to your provider. They know your history and, you know, your other medical history, your surgical history, your medications, your allergies. They know a lot about you. And that's critically, critically important. So important. And if it's ever an emergency, call 911. Exactly. So I'm going to give you the four-part type of just very generic kind of thoughts on choosing the best. They're called AOMs, by the way, anti-obesity medications. So like when you're looking at the insurance lingo or even checking your benefit, you need to like scan down, like, do they cover AOMs? That's very important. Like Nova Nordis, every time I'm talking about obesity medication coverage, it's it's the AOMs. So the first step is focusing on safety. Like, duh. Like, we want to make sure that you're trying to help make yourself healthier. You don't want a medication that could potentially be causing you some more issues. Now, there are some hard and fast contraindications or like hard no-go, don't pass go on these things. You can't do it. So if you are pregnant or trying to become pregnant, then you cannot take these medications. Now, if you're trying to become pregnant, um, so a lot of these like weight loss clinics, for example, 
And today we're talking about pills, all thing pills. So let's say you're going to a clinic that prescribes fentramine, and we'll talk about the benefits about why these weight loss clinics may be doing fentramine, for example. They should require you to have a negative urine pregnancy test every month if you're trying to become pregnant to be able to give you a prescription for another one of these medications because it can it can result in, in, in fetal demise, actually. Oh, so yeah. um, you could lose your baby. So good yeah, you note. cannot you so you have to if you are of childbearing age, my ladies, you need to be really you should really even pee on a stick every month if you're if you're doing this and you should yeah. really check to make sure you're not Similar pregnant. Similar to like the Accutane, like if you are exactly same kind of thing. You just can't take it. Exactly. With pregnancy. Great, great point. Now, there's some medical problems that actually um, prohibit you from doing that. We're going to get into the details specifically for each of these different pills today. And there are some medication interactions also. So we're going to talk about that as well. Next thing is patient preference. So we're going to talk about side effects. Some of them are just a mild nuisance, like dry mouth or, you know, I have some constipation. Some of them are like a major deterrent. Like my heart is racing. I cannot sleep. I cannot stand this. Yeah. So those are ones. Um, there's also the potential risk of complications. And then, dun, 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 cost. Oh, that's always such a hard one because, you know, you're trying to get yourself better or, mm. you know, improve your your health and things like that. And But that has to be taken into consideration because if it's unattainable for you, then it's not even worth discussing. I know. That's the thing. I mean, even going into surgery, there's some, we've talked about this, but it is just so frustrating that there are some um, major payers who at this point um, largely exclude or don't even have a bariatric policy, which is like dark ages types of yeah. thought processes. Wow. And um, it is wild um, based on the research. But it's the same thing with medications, too. It's just it's very, very frustrating. But I do think that since we're talking about pills today and just bringing in the cost, like they do tend to be a more cost effective therapy in general without, you know, than, than the injectables. Exactly. I've actually been working so much with um, medical device companies like industry on, they have a whole branch. It's called HEMA, Healthcare Economics and Market Analysis. Oh. So I've been spending my days um, talking about this. And um, essentially what they study and look at is like, all these multiple data points, and they're looking at the cost effectiveness of treatment. So for the employees, for example, there's the indirect cost of the improvement in workplace performance and decreasing absenteeism and increasing presenteeism and even just being a more like, again, performing employee. And then there's the um, direct cost with the resolution or improvement of the associated obesity things. And what is the timeline that you will invest if these payers or employers, for example, invest in bariatric surgery or invest in the AOMs, the anti-obesity medications? What When do you expect to see a return on that investment? And, um, and then also, you know, and it's sometimes hard to quantify right. some of that yeah, stuff as well. Of things are non-quantifiable, but yes, that ROI, baby. ROI, I know. There's a massive ROI here. And then finally, when you're choosing the best med for you, you want to uh, make sure that it works. Yeah. You want to make sure it's efficacious. And I love to to talk here about when I'm trying to pick the best med for my patients, I want to say that if it doesn't work for you, 
This does not by any means mean that you're a failure. Like, oh, it didn't work. No, 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 no. What we're going to do is we're going to evaluate you on a very um, specified um, cadence of follow-up visits where you see, okay, the medication is working. Great. Here's another script. Go for it. You don't have side effects. It's working well. I'm thrilled for you. Or you'll go out there and be like, um... I didn't, like, again, looking at, like, the trajectory of weight loss, if you're right where you should be, fabulous. If you're underneath that, okay, maybe we need to increase the dose. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to add a new medication. Or maybe we need to change it altogether to a whole different class of of medications. And there's a lot of them. It's not just FenFen, which, by the way, has been pulled off the market, which is Mm -hmm. why I think some of you are having a hard time, like, I want to go the meta. I'm cool with it. But my provider says it's dangerous and crazy and that they don't believe it and they don't prescribe it. Because they're still thinking fen-fen, not fentermine. Exactly. Which is a different type of medication. Exactly. So the fen-fen was two different types of fens. One of them was the problem with the heart issues. The other fen was fentermine. So fentermine alone is actually safe. Right. It's been proven to be safe. And we're going to talk about that. So without further ado, here we go. We're going to go right into talking about fentermine. Talking about it. So, do you have any thoughts on it? I'm just curious. Like, what do you th- what do you I mean, what do you think? I think it's always kind of like you said. I think it's been stigmatized for a long time, and you know, also having done like presentations and and uh, coursework that involves talking about these things. You know, to me, fentermine seems like a good first step. We have to, of course, be cautious with people with heart you know known heart issues because that is always that first kind of thought to me of fentermine. And maybe I'm wrong because maybe I'm thinking fenfen too. No, you're you're but, thinking of it, right? You know that it can cause that heart racing. It can cause sleeplessness. It can cause some other non not great side effects, but that it's effective. You yeah, know, I know that it does have a decent efficacy. Um, you know, for for people. Yeah, no, no doubt. So we're going to talk first about fentramine. And just to let you know, the meds that we're going to really dive deep into today um, is fentramine and then fentramine plus topiramate, which brand name is Qsimia. And then finally, a medication called Contrave, which is a combination of naltraxone, which is also known as Narcan, which is the antidote to um, uh, narcotics. So if like you're, if someone's overdosing, overdose. yeah, then they'll get Narcan. So that's part of it. And then the other part is Welbutrin Bupropion, which is a very common antidepressant. We'll talk a little bit about that too. The ones that I'm not going to talk about today um, that are also there, there's a lot more, but another some of you out there have done this, is that um, you can get the only over-the-counter one is Ali, A-L-L-I, and then also Orlistat is the prescription version of that. So the Ali is, I think you get in a lower dose, like 30 milligrams or something, and then the Orlistat is like 60, the prescription one. Mm -hmm. The problem there is it helps to prevent the absorption of fat. Right. And you'll just... I mean, Good some man. of you patients out there, I love you guys. You'll tell me hilarious stories, and it's not funny. We're like, yeah, once I started, like, pooping my pants, I'm like, all right, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. Anal leakage. I Anal leakage is the correct terminology. Term. <laughs> I remember those, like, commercials. It's like, Ally might cause anal leakage. It's like... Well, it'll get you to stop eating the high-fat foods, which I think was kind of the other part of it, was like, you're not going to eat these foods because you're not going to go in public. No, you're just going to be there with a diaper sitting there at home um, avoiding the fatty foods and probably eating carbs. And that's probably why we have this obesity epidemic to go down that rabbit hole again. It's still on the shelf, though. It's still there. Like, I always see it at Sam's Club. No, I always see it at Target. 
It's like always locked up too. I'm like, no, ain't nobody. Um, you don't need to put that thing under lock and key. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody cares about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, anal linkage. I think that was an SNL skit. And I and the, the Hannah always and I going to go back to our. Can we go back to that? Because we're always. I always like to talk really close to the microphone. And <laughs> we're just going to quickly talk about anal leakage today. <laughs> All right, we're getting too silly here. Yeah, oh, my gosh. On track, back on track. Okay, here we go. All right, fentramine, my friends. Fentramine. All right, so fentramine is a controlled substance. So that means it is controlled by the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency. It is in a classification class four. So if you look at um, something that's a class one, I can't even prescribe that. That would be like heroin. And it's, it's due to its addiction potential. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's 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 danger and 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 causing other um, types of things. And so, class two are your more commonly prescribed by mouth narcotics. For example, would be that. But um, fentramine is there because it does have a low risk of addiction okay. and a low risk of abuse. So sometimes it's like, man, this thing is working. I want more of it. I want more of it. And so that's why these things are controlled. And I'd have to use my DEA license to be able to do that. So um, it is a controlled substance. Believe it or not, it was established. When do you think? Take a wild guess. Ooh, I probably learned this in the course I took. Clearly that didn't stick. 19... 46. Okay. All right. Actually, my dad was born in 1946, but fentramine was not born then. It was actually born in 1959. Okay. So we're looking at over 60 years of its safe use. Okay. And I'm going to put it out there again. I'm going to say this a million times. If you are pregnant or trying to become pregnant, you cannot be on fentramine. Do not use fentramine. Warning, 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 warning. Okay. So how does it work? Okay. Big words here. It is a sympathomyomatic amine. Sympathometamine. Mm, a little bit off there. A little bit. Almost got it, though. That was a great first run. I have talked about these a lot. Um, when I was at my um, old practice in Baltimore, Maryland, I had a very um, successful medical weight loss portion of the practice, mm-hmm. and I loved it. And this was a part of it. I would actually do virtual visits where I would talk to the patients. I would educate them a thoroughly, group visit, lots of face-to-face time with the patients virtually. And then I would speak to them one-on-one and I would go very systematically and neurotically over their history Shocking. and yeah, over all theirs thing, boom, 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 boom. And then if I felt like we could safely do it, then we would do that. But anyway, um, so a sympathomyomatic amine means that it mimics, it mimics the sympathetic nervous system. Okay. And the sympathetic nervous system is, again, your fight or flight. So it basically, it increases your norepinephrine. So it's like your adrenaline. Right. And so it does that by preventing its reuptake. So it just kind of like lingers out there for longer. So when you think about, um, well, how does that work to help me to lose weight? So you have to think about this whole, um, the way it works actually in the brain, this appetite suppressant phenomenon. So it works two different places in the brain. Number one, it will work to give you more inhibition. So it's like, when you know what to do, especially all of our patients, they've worked with you. They are very well versed in exactly like how to be compliant with this. I need to do high protein. I got to stick to it. But my God, why am I here snacking at 11 p.m.? Right. And so this will help you to say like, I know not to do it and you're not going to want to do it. It gives you like it helps you to remain in control. Now, the second big thing is it works in the hypothalamus. 
so a different part of the brain. So that's the prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex of the brain is sort of that like um, – like when you're just like I want to be wild and free, it's, it's sort of like alcohol. Boy. Yes, because <laughs> they don't. What men's prefrontal cortexes don't like fully develop until they're like twenties. Yeah, so, so they do some crazy don't things. Date early guys in their early twenties. Exactly, they're not fully developed. <laughs> Who's older, you or V? He's a year older than me. Okay, Aaron's two years, almost exactly older than me. Yeah, he's almost like like 11 months older than I am. Oh, there we go. Okay, interesting. So yes, there is the prefrontal cortex. It will help to get that in check. It will work on that um, dopamine there, but it also works, I love this, in the hypothalamus to give you satiety. So I always think about fentramine as if it's the ultimate pouch reset. So we hate pouch resets in terms of going back to clear liquids. It's just, I mean, why are you torturing yourselves? Right. I mean, Ridiculous. I'm sure you're passionate against, I don't know. I, I just mean, hear that word and I'm just like, Ugh. So do people like, like, when they have their appointments with you, are they like, okay, let's, can we talk about a pouch reset? I don't, I don't get people asking me on appointments because the ones that have made appointments are the ones that are like actually seeking good advice. I see it in the Facebook groups uh, of yes. like, mm, I think I'm going to do a pouch reset. I know. And then usually there's somebody that chimes in and is like, ah, don't do that. And then other people are like, oh, my gosh, I was thinking about that, too. And I'm like, no, please call me. Like, please. I'm exactly. Here. Exactly. Oh, and guess what, guys? As part of this, we're going to we have a, like a reset, recommit kind of a plan so that Again, drxdietitian.com. Subscribe. Don't miss out on an episode guide. We want to help you with that, including our eating regular food resets. Now, so I think that when you think about when you first had surgery and you have your little thumb size gastric bypass pouch, you have your sleeve, um, you know, 15% of what the stomach size was, you'd have a sip of water and you're like, man, I'm like stuffed from a sip of water. Like I feel this fullness, this restriction. I am satisfied. I'm, you know, satiated. That's what this does again. I feel like it kind of makes you feel like that again. Like I can't eat another bite, Mm -hmm. even though nothing has changed. And by the way, guys, I do not think that your pouches stretch. So it's not that at all. No, it's more of a tolerance thing. Exactly. And a hormone reset, probably a little bit. Totally. So it works two places in the brain to give you appetite suppression and ultimately weight loss. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about side effects and we're going to talk about how this plays into the sympathetic nervous system. So you can remember these things if you think about yourself placed in the woods being chased by some sort of huge animal, the bear, whatever. So the first thing is when you um, step outside, actually when you're in danger, your pupils, the black part of your eye that lets light in, they will actually dilate. So this makes, will this make your eyes dilate? It sure will. And I couldn't go outside if I took this medication. I already can't see if it's That's because your eyes are blue. Yeah. So they're already sensitive because they're blue. so sensitive to the sun. Well, this, I was going to say, some people have to walk around with sunglasses on on fentramine, a little bit. I mean, it's one potential side effect, not everybody. But yeah. So there you go. Well, you just, I thought you were just looking so cool. That too. Well done. No. So yeah, this will dilate your pupils. And so, you know, maybe if you're looking at something like, what's going on with you? You okay? Like, I'm just on Fentramine, you know? Yeah. So the second thing, this is, I think, would be the most, number one, most common side effect. It is, it inhibits your salivation. So you get like horrific dry mouth. Mm. So some people are like, okay, whatever, I drink more. And, and as you as a dietitian, probably like, sweet, yeah, score more than 64 ounces a day. That's perfect. Yeah. But it can be really freaking annoying, really, yeah. really annoying. You, they do make products for that, I will say. They make like mouth wetting agents. So mm. that like, um, 
biotin, something like that. That's like a mouth rinse. Really? Because well, in my again, my previous life, I was a dialysis dietitian, and they're on oh. fluid restrictions, so they get a lot of dry mouth. And then there was also something called was it Therabreath? Oh, um, and it's gnarly. It's not. It's like a um, almost like a cough drop, and you suck on it, and it causes saliva production. Hmm. And it's really kind of weird because if you're somebody who doesn't have dry mouth, like we would taste, like we would get oh. samples and stuff or we'd have them to hand out to patients. And so we would like try them and it's this like mouth wetting. And so it just like causes saliva production. And it's like all of a sudden you're like, why is there so much, you know? Oh like, my God, yeah, now I'm, just, I'm like salivating things. Oh, me too. <laughs> like, Does it make you nauseous? No, it didn't make, no, it was just fine. And it was just like, it was, then it was done and your mouth was just not dry anymore. So huh. there are some, some over the count and these are just like over the counter kind of things. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I've never really thought or heard of that. And I would just think that it sounds gross, but. But yeah, if, you know, and again, this was for people that were on fluid restriction, so they couldn't just drink more water to help with their dry mouth. Wow, that is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it also, you're running, so your airways are relaxed, so um, you could breathe maybe a little bit faster. Here's a big one. It increases your heart rate. Think about like, oh my God, I'm so like anxious, I'm stressed, I'm running, you know, boom, 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 boom. So that can cause some real legit palpitations. And that can be very like annoying. It can be cumbersome. And if you already have a history of high blood pressure or high heart rate, then this might be a contraindication, which we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So that's something that we really want to make sure that we get a good solid set of vital signs on you and um, we we keep that in the loop. Now, this is something else um, interesting and it, it inhibits the activity of the stomach. Okay. So, in other words, food will sit there a little bit longer without it being like pushing right through. Like it slows peristalsis. Exactly. And it just kind of sits there because – and that again, leads to the satiety, the fullness that like I don't want to eat. Like mm-hmm. when you're running through something or you're stressed to the max, I mean, sometimes you're just like I cannot even think about eating. Right. You just forget to eat, which is not good either. Because right. we want to make There's sure you like eat your three meals. There's like that good balance of, and I think that's where some of this time, you know, you start to think it's like finding something like this, like the right dose for you, where it's not like I just never want to eat ever in my life again, because you still need to eat. Absolutely, you do, my Eating friends. Is important. It's so important. And in fact, if you eat too little, a lot of times that's the patients that struggle with their weight the most, mm-hmm. and that brings them in. A lot of my patients, I'm like, I know that you are not sitting there lazy. You you need to eat actually more, and yeah. including breakfast. But that'll be a whole other episode. <laughs> All right, now um, it also helps to um, it inhibits the gallbladder, which also goes to this like slow gastric emptying, the slow kind of breakdown of food, all that kind of stuff. Um, it inhibits the activities of the intestine. So if you get to that part where food is now broken down and it's sitting in your intestines and ultimately your colon or large intestine, you know what that means. Constipation. It always comes back to constipation. Sure does. I know. When you're being a good boy girl, we know. We're like Santa over here. I mean, totally. We know if you've been bad or good because you're not pooping. (laughs) <laughs> and if you do, it's coming out like coal. So there yeah. we go. So it's like this really fabulous. Merry like Christmas, guys. <laughs> I wanted to bring it back to our opening <laughs> remarks. 
here we go. Well, Mrs. Claus is going to continue on. Now, it also secretes epinephrine and norepinephrine, like we talked about, which is adrenaline. And this, so my husband, Aaron, he was on um, fentramine. He's very open with the story. He's ultimately now on a GLP-1 agonist. Mm -hmm. Um, He's on Wagovi, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But this, um, he, oh my God, he ultimately... He did fabulous with his weight loss. He could not stand. He could not handle. I could not handle. He could not sleep. Mm. So we're going to talk a little bit about the timing of when you need to take the fentramine. And some of these suggestions, again, this is not like – this is my anecdotal suggestions to this. So, again, I talk to your provider and what they think and that sort of thing. Um, It relaxes your bladder, so you're going to be urinating more. Oh, I definitely can't take that. Oh, gosh. Between the pupils? But you're you're concerned about the most random of side effects. I I can't have dilated pupils and I can't go to the bathroom anymore. You'll just be sitting on the toilet with your shades on. (laughs) But you'll be skinny. There's a picture for (laughs) y'all. Oh, my God. You'll be super skinny. Speaking of pictures, let's uh, let's bring it back to two episodes ago, our our very um, fun and spicy sex episode. So this one is – so to – let's talk about it from a male anatomy perspective because it will make more sense. Okay. When you have sex, when the man needs to – basically have an erection, they have to be calm. They have to be in a parasympathetic state because, again, when you're being chased, you're not typically running around with an erection, men out there. Um, This is just not the way the body works. But after you establish the erection, then the sympathetic nervous system kicks in. That's how you have an orgasm. Okay. So to relax, to have the blood flow to get to your penis, you get the erection from parasympathetic, which is the opposite of the sympathetic, which causes you then to have an orgasm. So some patients might have a little bit of a harder time with some maybe erectile issues, but a lot of patients are actually going to have an increase in sex drive because they want that orgasm. You're going to more easily have an orgasm on this. Okay. So there you go. Is it the same for females? Yes, it sure is. So we still own the clitoris and all of that sort of thing. So there's another thing. So, all right. All right. I have a question for you. Oh, I'm ready. What's the efficacy of this? Okay. Is it worth it? So it – I think it is. And I think it's especially worth it if you are a post-op patient. So the efficacy is – we're talking about this in terms of mean weight loss – so it is five to about roughly eight percent. Okay. So in other words, if you weigh two hundred pounds right now, mm-hmm. you're looking to lose between ten and sixteen pounds, which That's is pretty decent. Yeah, it's not terrible. And looking at it from like a clinical perspective, mm. five to ten percent weight loss is considered clinically significant. Exactly. And so you know, from a health and and other kind of you know issues that go alongside obesity. Exactly. Now, some of you might be like, all right, that's great. I lost my 16 pounds. Actually, they're fabulous, and I lost like 20 pounds. But can I stay on this medication? Mm. And so fentramine alone, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, has said that is approved for short-term use. But guess what? I'm going to give you clinical guidelines that you can follow that can actually keep you on it for longer. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Now, there are some brand names to this. There's Adapex which comes in a 37.5 milligram per day dose. And then there's generic fentramine too. So one of the big things is back to the whole cost thing is that guess what? Fentramine is super cheap. 
Right. All of you, either by your insurance or if you don't even have insurance, if you use something called GoodRx, it's an app that's GoodRx. If you use that, you can get it for a month per month, less than five bucks a month. I love GoodRx. I know. It's fantastic. They don't pay us, but we love them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. They should be our first sponsor oh, yeah. of, the, of the Dr. X Dietitian um, <laughs> podcast, for sure. Good RX. We're, we, we see you listening. Uh-huh. I got my cat's medications with Good RX. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Look at these tips we're giving. Yeah. This is more than just human weight loss. This is, you know, there's many little Your side effects. antibiotics. Good RX. There you go. Good RX. So that is a way to get it for very, very inexpensive. But you need to be able to tolerate it. So when we talk about the dosing of it, so 37.5 milligrams, I personally think, and no offense to any other providers out there, that that is a crazy high dose. Okay. That you should not, should not even consider starting that high. And so what I tell my patients to do is I prescribe the tablets and then I actually, it's really hard because they're small. So, and it's not really designed this way, but you can actually, um, because it's cheap with the 37.5 milligram, I actually have them cut it into quarters Oh wow! for the first month. And then I have them take it about 12 hours before they go to bed. Okay. So cutting it into a quarter is really hard because it really crumbles. And so sometimes you have to kind of like lick your finger and then actually get off the counter. And that's how you get the crumbles of the quarter of a pill. I'm going to tell you to start that low because it's if you can lose weight and I'm going to talk a little bit more about those side effects and you have a decrease of the side effects and you're losing weight, beautiful. You need a quarter of a dose of fentramine, just a little, little touch. Yeah. Beautiful. Again, 12 hours before bed because it's going to um, it's going to make it hard to fall asleep. So again, that's one of the side effects. Headaches can happen on fentramine. It can increase your blood pressure. So if you have uncontrolled high blood pressure, so it's not that if you have high blood pressure, but it's controlled with medication and you have regular checks and you're you're certain of it, if you have a blood pressure pressure cuff, even better, Mm -hmm. then that's good for it. If not, then that's something that you might want to... um, Make sure that you you um that you just simply don't go on fentramine. Yeah. Anxi- or get it under control. Or get it under control and then you can go on fentramine. Anxiety. This can make your anxiety really worse because again, it's like fight or flight. This is like to keep your weight in an alert right, and you're stimulant. like stressed. Yeah. yeah. So it can like increase your stress or anxiety. So if you have uncontrolled anxiety, eh, this might not be for you. If you already have the palpitations with the skipping of the heart feeling mm-hmm. in your chest, the heart fluttering type feeling, if you already have tachycardia or fast heart rate, you want to avoid it. Ischemic events. In other words, if you've ever had something that decreases the blood flow either to your brain, which is a stroke, a cerebral vascular accident or a mini stroke, or if you have a history of a heart attack or even significant coronary artery disease or blockages of the major coronary vessels, which you could have maybe found on a cardiac cath, maybe you have a stent, maybe you've had open heart surgery, those ones, no, you don't you don't want fentramine. With that being said, you know, with the increase of those kind of risks with somebody who's on like oral birth control, would that be something to consider mm. that like med-med interaction or? Yeah. So that's something that. If you have that history. So if you're on birth control and you don't have a clotting history. So sometimes if you smoke and you're on birth control, you can get like a deep venous thrombosis or DVT, a blood clot in your leg, which can even travel up the venous system to your lungs, which is called a pulmonary embolism, which can be fatal. Right. This doesn't increase that type okay. of risk. 
risk. Um, so I don't think there's a contraindication if you're on birth control, which is a great question, and the estrogen in it, which is typically what causes the increased risk of clotting okay. and being on fentramine. Um, the dry mouth we talked about, mm. um, the insomnia, you can cause a tremor. So some people have essential tremors um, where they don't really know re- why they, they kind of have that shake. Um, if you have um, uncontrolled psychoses, it's something that you don't want to be on it. Now, other potential um, side effects are um, constipation, but sometimes you can get overflow diarrhea. So in other words, you're so constipated that actually like liquid stool would uh, migrate around it. So you could actually get some diarrhea, but it's actually because you're constipated. Oh, yeah. yeah so sure there's um, a thing there. You could get hives just like any other com- uh, you know, side effect. Right. And it can cause you to feel manically amazing and euphoric, or it can actually cause you to have like kind of a depressed mood and some dysphoria. Interesting. So it's sort of like, okay, like back to that, like it could actually make me want to have sex more or not, or it can make me feel really great or it can make me feel miserable. And listen to your body as always and see what happens there. So the contraindications, um, we talked a little bit about heart disease, uncontrolled high blood pressure, breastfeeding, pregnancy. If you're on other sympathomyomedicamines or drugs that mimic the sympathetic nervous system, if you've had a history of abuse, because remember, it's a controlled substance and there's the abuse potential and there is the um, risk of addiction as well. Now, one of the biggest drug interactions is something called an MAOI. And these are very powerful antidepressants. Um, they include things like Parnate, Nardil, MSAM, Marplan. If you have taken these within 14 days, two weeks of taking fentramine, it can actually cause you to have a hypertensive or high blood pressure crisis. Oh, gosh. So that's you'll, you'll hear all the time on like commercials, like yeah. if you're on an MAOI, MAOIs are amazing for, like I said, antidepressants, for panic disorders, for social phobias and things like that. But man, um, they do, you have to be very careful on those ones um, that they don't um, interact with some of these other medications. Um, Alcohol is one. If you're on it, like you can drink like a drink a day. um, But if you're excessively drinking alcohol, it can really cause some um, some issues there and um, anesthetics. So if you you cannot take fentramine within two weeks of undergoing anesthesia. Because it will, it's a contraindication. So that can really mess it up. Again, history of drug abuse. Um, And if you're on, sometimes insulin can cause some interactions as well. So um, again, month one, I start you out at a quarter of a tablet of fentramine. See how you're doing. If you're doing great, stay on a quarter. If you're not, month two, here we go. I want you to self-decide to increase yourself to a half of a tablet. Then after month two, if you're doing great, stay on a half. If not, increase to the full at month three, titrated full dose, which is 37.5 milligrams. You'll see us again if it's working great. If not, then we would add another medication um, such as the topiramate. Now, we talked a little bit about it being a three-month-only type of a medication, but there are um, some clinical guidelines supporting the long-term use of it. So as long as you come back in, you don't have any clinically significant increase in your heart rate or your blood pressure. Again, we're going to get a great baseline. We're going to see if it is, eh, we probably need to get away from it. You just don't want that. But if not, then um, you can stay on it. If you have no serious history, again, of cardiovascular disease, psych disease, history of substance abuse, if you've been informed that there are other weight loss medications that are FDA approved for the longer term use, and then finally, 
is this thing working? So you want to make sure, again, that you have demonstrated a minimum of 5% weight loss. And if not, no problem. Increase the dose, add a new medication, or change it all together. So Qsimia is um, pretty much the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, adding that to a paramate, which is a neurostabilizer. So now it works not just two, but three different places in the brain to give you that appetite suppression through the inhibitory control and then also through satiety as well. So it's like... That plus a little bit more. It's a little bit more to the point where um, the efficacy of this one, the mean weight loss, remember with fentramine, it was like 5 to like 7.8% weight loss. With this one, it's 6.6 to 8.6. So always think about it like if you have like a little bug, you don't want to start off with like a machine gun to kill the bug. Let's start off with like our little fly swatter. And if that works for you, great. Because I need to have room to be able to like – go up. And if you're at the max, out the gate, man, I mean, it can be really tough. Now, with the gabapentin, I mean, with, excuse me, the toparamate, it is something that is contraindicated with glaucoma. So it's like a carbonic anhydrase inhibitor, like who cares? But anyway, it's something that can actually, it's a contraindication if you have glaucoma. It can also distort your taste. So it's not COVID. Remember how that was like a big thing? Like I can't taste. So the toparamate being added actually can mess with your taste too. So it's like another random thing. It can cause the paresthesias or the numbness and the tingling, dizziness, and of course the same old other ones with the fentramine because that's still in play. The dry mouth, the insomnia, the constipation, the heart rates, racing, all that kind of stuff stuff. And then finally, the last pill that we're going to chat about today is one called Contrave. Have you ever heard of this one? I have because of that that course I did. They mm. talked about all of the different uh, medications. And then I think I feel like I've seen maybe commercials for it or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, this one. I don't see commercials anymore, though. I know. I Netflix. I know. And whenever I have to wait and pause, it really just irritates me. Who doesn't, you know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Maybe so, my parents' house. They still watch commercials. Oh, gosh. I know. Yeah. Long story. <laughs> um, so Contrave is one that the brand name, and we're going to talk in, on episode four. This is a tricky one because it is not typically covered, Contrave, by it's an anti-obesity med that's just not covered. And that's a tough one. Is it newer? No. It's not new. I don't know when it came out. Um I'm going to look that up. I'll put that on the episode guide. Um, But it's one that um, you can get around that as a prescriber. We'll talk about this by prescribing the generic of it. So there's naltraxone, which again is the Narcan piece. Mm -hmm. And then you can prescribe separately the bupropion. Okay. So you just kind of take the two meds together, not formulated in one pill. Exactly. So it's a little bit tricky to do it that way. um, And you can get it covered under insurance. We'll talk about that in subsequent episodes. So again, the naltraxone is an opiate antagonist. So if you're if you're overdosing on a narcotic or heroin, then you would essentially take this medication, but it works great for weight loss. And then the bupropion is also a reuptake inhibitor of dopamine and norepinephrine. So the adrenaline and all that sort of thing, it works in that way as well. The weight loss is a little bit lower. It's 4.8 to 6%. So 
I like to start with the fentramine, honestly, mainly because of the cost and the low mm-hmm. dose and the efficacy is pretty comparable to the other ones. And this one can be a pain in the butt. But if somebody has a contraindication, then I will, and they need a pill form, then I will start off with a contrave. Um, this is one that you need to slowly increase the dose okay. because the side effects are mainly GI related. So it's things like the nausea, the constipation, mm. the headache, the potential vomiting from the nausea, and just like dizziness. Like you could feel lousy on it, um, but again, it might you know it might not as well. And then the contraindications to it: if you have uncontrolled high blood pressure, so that's a definite part of the initial evaluation and ongoing surveillance of your blood pressure mm-hmm. medication. If you have a seizure disorder, you actually can't be on this one. And if you have a history of an eating disorder, so some of these like. If your anorexic history or bulimia history, then some of these meds can just um, really, it's its almost like you already have that addiction that, that, you know, and that sort of thing. This one though, Contrave, unlike the fentramine component, is not a controlled substance. Okay. So I don't need the DEA license for this one. The toparamate alone, which is not really that effective in toparamate alone, but that also is, again, used to treat migraines and used for um, epilepsy or seizures. And that one does not require a DEA license, okay. um, just so that you know that. From the, the other one. Exactly. So um, if you were on the contrave, we would just talk about the slow. So week one is just the whole first week, one pill in the morning. Week two is one in the morning, one at night. Week three is two in the morning, one at night. And then finally, four weeks and beyond is two in the morning and two at night. And it's a combination of naltrexone, eight milligrams, and bupropion, 90 milligrams extended release is as how that's broken down to. And that wouldn't change for somebody who's had surgery. Like you said that, you know, people always are kind of worried about pills and absorption and that kind of stuff. You don't see that being an issue. No, 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 no. I think that these can still be very much so absorbed. The fentramine, that's another reason why I do start down on that little baby dose because I think maybe that it is more efficacious um, because you already have this small little stomach and it's going to give you that satiety and you already have like the, the education, the knowledge of what you should do and it helps helps you to kind of be more compliant with it, mm-hmm. kind of resets, recommits you and gets you. Somebody told me they love this slip, don't slide, which is um, they're like, oh, man, you're always in my head with that one. So like today was bad. Tomorrow better be better. And I do think that that these medications all really do help to to make that happen. Right. Help prevent the slide. Totally. So again, we're going to be talking on episode four about taking these pills with the proper education. So some of you, again, we've said it, maybe never have had bariatric surgery, maybe don't even qualify for bariatric surgery. You're wondering about like, what kind of diet should I do with these um, types of medications so that they're more maximally effective? What type of support do I need? Sleep, um, uh, you know, tr- stress relief, meditation, mindfulness, exercise, movement, all of those things. Yeah, yeah I think that's going to be, that's always, and, and you'll hear this in the ads and you'll hear people talk about it. Like, alongside diet and exercise, this can give you X amount of weight. And it is true because that is part of it. But again, we talked about in the last one, like it's a whole pie and these are all like slices of it. And so we, it is that combination of all of those things. Exactly. So hearing all of this, I'm curious, what are you thinking so far about the pills? Do you think it's something that like you would do, you'd think about? I mean, I had even thought about it previously. I don't know that I would do it now, but um, just because I've been able, I had some weight loss that I did, you know, was able to do on my own. Um, 
But I think that I think kind of like you said, it's a great place to start. I think getting people on if they can be on a low dose of something, it's easy. It's oral. It's inexpensive. You know, we can kind of get through a lot of those barriers that we might see when we're talking about next week with the injectables, Mm. which have a lot more barriers to them. And, uh, you know, we're seeing things with that. So we'll go into all of that. But I think that these can be great again, or even somebody who maybe is on the lower end of wanting to lose weight. Maybe their BMI is like 28. Yeah. And they're just like, you know, I don't necessarily need to lose 15, 20% of my weight. I I would like to lose 5 to 8%. Exactly. Uh, you know, and that might be something else to consider that these can just kind of give you that little edge um, to get you into that you know, where you want to be. Yeah, I think no doubt. And I think that um, when done with the properly selected patient, looking at your thorough history and doing a full physical exam, which includes a heart rate, blood pressure, vital signs, looking at your weight, looking at your progress, regular check-ins, a comprehensive program, man, I think that you can really succeed. I think the follow-up care is super important too. Totally. Like having that team on board that knows we're on this medication and... Absolutely. Yeah. So um, like I said, I'm a bariatrician. So stay tuned, my friends. Stay tuned. Awesome. Well, a Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. So we are so happy. Thank you for listening. We are so merry and grateful for all of you for Mm -hmm. listening to us. And your gift to us is continuing to listen, continuing to reach out, ask us questions, um, you know, give us suggestions for episodes that you want to hear in the future. We've got lots planned, but we want to make sure that this is a gift to you and is the best thing we can do. Merry Christmas to the lovely Duck Duck Productions where we record this. Shout out. Thank you guys. So fun. Yep. Happy holidays and we'll see you next week. One more before the new year. 